Welcome to The Girls' Room. I'm your host, Marissa Quintalmo. The Girls' Room is a safe space where we talk about all things uncomfortable, challenging, and oftentimes gross that come along with womanhood. Tune in every week for a new glamorous episode. Welcome back to another episode of The Girls' Room. This month, we're getting jiggy with it, learning and talking about all things sex and pleasure. This week, we are joined by Hannah and Anya from The Pleasure Collective to talk about having safe and healthy sexual experiences and healing from sexual trauma. Welcome. Can you guys introduce yourselves? Hello. I'm so excited to be here. My name is Anya, like lasagna. I have to say that every time I introduce myself, nobody knows how to pronounce my name. Um, I am a mental health therapist in Seattle, Washington, and one of the founders of Pleasure Collective. And I'm Hannah, like banana, um, <laughs> which I started saying because Anya always introduces herself like that, and I felt left out. Um, <laughs> and I am a um, mental health therapist in Denver and the other half of Pleasure Collective. I love it. Can you guys actually give me the backstory? Like, how did you guys meet? Like, where did this come about? And I love telling the story, so I'll let her share. Anya thinks I'm better at telling the story for what it's worth. Um, so our second year of grad school, I was interning at a domestic violence counseling agency, and we had a spot for another intern and I knew that Anya was trying to get out of the internship she was currently in and so I just like decided like I woke up one morning and chose friendship with Anya and like started like telling her that she should come intern with me and that she should um you know send her resume to my supervisor and then at work the next day I was like you got this resume from this girl named Anya Patton she's so cool you should totally bring her on and for our senior or our master's like thesis big research project tag teamed a program where we built out curriculum that then became pleasure collective um and pleasure collective really exists because we saw a huge gap in our community like both of us when we were trying to figure out our own sexual healing nobody was really like taking it very seriously Mm -hmm. and there was this expectation that in order to engage or like reintroduce pleasure and sexuality into your life you had to be fully healed from trauma and we were like wait that's that's not a thing that's not the reality and so we said screw it and built out the curriculum ourselves and pitched it to a couple of local like sexuality boutiques and um people who we worked with and here we are I have to add, we didn't really ever talk. We no, we had like one class together. <laughs> That's making it so much better. We had like mutual friends. And I remember like texting our friend Kat and just being like, I decided that Anya is going to be my friend. <laughs> oh my God. I love this energy. Like everybody needs that. <laughs> one of the best decisions I've ever made. <laughs> I literally love that story so much. That's hilarious. Okay, well, I'm glad that you guys came together because your account is just fucking amazing. The information that you guys are sharing and like your infographics too are beautiful. Like, I think it is so important. You guys are talking about something that is so incredibly important and that we need more of. And I absolutely love it. So can you guys actually tell us a little bit more about it? Like I'm jumping way too ahead already. Can you guys explain <laughs> the Pleasure Collective to us and tell us about it? Sure. Um, so as Hannah has ex- already explained, like we like seek to heal sexual trauma 
um, and sexual trauma survivors relationship with their sexuality by using their sexuality like as this tool for healing um, and also using like community care and mutual aid um, as, as tools and as resources and really building this community of survivors um, and just like <laughs> so they all have permission to to talk about sex because like as, as Hannah said like if it's, it's not talked about in the context of like domestic violence or just like sexual trauma healing trauma healing in general like sex is just not talked about and we really found that like within our own uh, experiences with healing and in therapy, but also while like doing research for this like research project, like there was no literature on there. There was no curriculums out there. There were no tools used for sexual healing. Um, so we really wanted to be able to, to provide that for people. That is amazing. I absolutely love it. And I saw that you guys have some workshops coming up. Can you talk a little bit about those? Yeah. So we, um, are running, we were really cheeky when we were coming up with this and we we're calling it hot healing summer. Um, and so it's an eight, is it eight weeks on you? I don't know how to count. Uh, it's Seven? Six it's six. six. Cool. Counting. We're therapists. We don't do that. Um, <laughs> um, so it's a six week, like the workshops are scaffolded so that if folks want to take all of them, they'll all be relevant, but also folks can choose to opt in to one or a couple or whatever feels good for them. But it is a kind of like broken down version of our eight week group that we run. Seven week. Counting again, Anya. <laughs> um, so it is kind of the like summary version more casual version. Yes, exactly. Like we know that it's really hard to commit to seven consecutive weeks of programming in the summer because everybody's off like having fun, especially now that we're allowed to hug people. Mm -hmm. um, so we tinkered with it a little bit and we got our first one last week and got some great feedback. And we're also going to be doing an in-person workshop for the first time in like two years next month, which is so exciting because Anya's coming to Denver have a week-long slumber party. <laughs> I've never been so excited for something in, in like the longest time. We're gonna cry a lot. <laughs> Those are the important things in life. And Hannah also just bought this like kiddie pool that she's just been lounging in in her backyard. So <laughs> there's gonna be a lot of that as well, as well as drinking margaritas. Yeah. Sounds so perfect. What are like the topics that you guys are covering during this six, seven slash eight week workshop? <laughs> Okay, so week one is reclaiming sexuality. That is what we did last week. Um, this upcoming, or I guess this will be after this podcast comes out, um, but this Monday's will be... Um, Making peace with trauma responses. Yes. Next week is demystifying intimacy. And then there's healthy sexual communication. Then there's reconnecting with your body. And then the last one is just a building your sexual healing toolkit. Those sound like really great workshops. And I would actually like to talk about them a little bit more. Like, can you guys talk to us about the importance of setting boundaries for safe and healthy sexual experiences? Ooh. Can we? 
How much time do you have? Go off. I'm here for it. <laughs> um, so we talk when we talk about boundaries, we talk a lot about reframing them as instead of like putting up a barrier, seeing boundaries as an invitation. So boundaries are an invitation for you, whoever, to love me in the way that I want to be loved. And so in that spirit, we talk a lot about boundary setting being a way to like make sure that we have more authentic communication in our lives and more authentic relationships because nobody's feeling like they have to just like guess what the other person wants or what the other person needs or like how to give them space. Um, and like specifically in the context of sex and in the context of survivors, having like having the confidence to set boundaries and having even just like the language to set boundaries is so crucial because that's not really something that we learn as kids or as grown-ups or ever unless we seek it out so um having boundaried sexual relationships leads to more pleasure safer intimacy just like better sex in general I love the way that you're talking about it, saying that it's an invitation. I think that that is really, really important. And also the fact that you talked about, like, we're never taught about communication and like how to talk to people and how to do this. Cause that's something that I struggle with so hard. And then one day I was like really sitting down to think, I was like, well, it's not like every, anyone ever like sat down to like talk to me about how to communicate. I'm just expected to know. That's such a heavy thing to like have to just figure out on your own. Yeah. So like, Boundaries within sex can look like, you know, I'm not comfortable doing blank, but I would be open to doing this. Or especially for survivors, like it's uncomfortable for me to be touched from behind. Like I would feel more comfortable if you were in front of me and I saw where your hands were. Or, um, you know, I, you know, I don't feel like having sex right now, but I would be down to take a shower together or lie naked together. Yeah, that's really important. I think that those are some really great tips, which kind of leads into the next thing that I want to talk about. What are some tools for healthy sexual communication? I know that you guys made a post about this and you gave really, really great information. And these are things that I've never personally learned. So I would love to hear some more about this. I think just like the most fundamental tool is just giving yourself permission to speak up and advocate for yourself and, and knowing that your sexual needs are, are just as important as your partners. Um, on, on top of that, because that's like the foundation, um, like exploring things on your own um, is really important. Like it's obviously really hard to communicate what you like if you don't know what that is in the first place, um, which I, understand is like can be like a really intimidating things for survivors to start doing because like it's they feel so or, or can feel like so disconnected from their body or not trust their body not know the signals that their body is sending them um so it can be really intimidating to like practice solo sex and it's also just like a really good way to to learn your body to to reconnect with your body um so that is a tool that I encourage people to take advantage of. Uh, we, a couple of our favorite tools, one is a yes, no, maybe list. And like the most exhaustive one you can find on Scarlet Teen. Um, but this is just, what I really love about something like a yes, no, maybe list is it takes a lot of the pressure off of you. So like, if I know that like, I, I joke 
the, it's like when you can play the mean mom card to like get an excuse out of to like make an excuse to not go out or like not go to a party when you're a kid um even though it's really like I just don't want to go I just don't want to say that I don't want to go a yes no maybe list is a great way to say like oh this is something I'm interested in I was afraid to say it from my own brain and that's okay like we're allowed to be nervous we're allowed to be intimidated by saying these things out loud and so tools like a yes no maybe list or um we have sent people to take like their erotic blueprint quizzes and things like that and we can send you links to those but um those are really helpful because it lets it doesn't just rely on like your own imagination or like your own experiences it lets your mind kind of wander and explore and get curious as opposed to like being stuck in maybe what like you learned about sex which was probably not very much and there's also like the cheat sheet um which is just like a list of like the top sexual activities that you know are like a guarantee to get you there um which is, is great because there's no guesswork involved with the cheat sheet like your partner is like set up for success you are guaranteed to have a great time um and like if you haven't necessarily like built up the confidence to say all of these things loud this is a great way to be like here's this piece of paper here's how you can touch my body and i will love it <laughs> <laughs> The really embarrassing thing is that when Anya and I first learned about cheat sheets, we like made our own and then compared notes and they were fucking identical. They're the same. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, you guys are soulmates. I love this. <laughs> it's all because you just wanted this friendship. You, you knew this is a match made in heaven. Perfect. I knew. <laughs> I really love the idea of those cheat sheets, though. Like, that's something that I've never heard of until I came across your guys' page. And I saw it, and I was like, why didn't anyone tell me this earlier? Because I'm the type of person where I don't really have confidence when it comes to speaking about my pleasure, or speaking about my body, or setting boundaries, or talking about things that I want to do, and I get really scared. And I feel like that would take so much pressure off of myself and whoever else is feeling the same way to just do this on my own or even with the person, figure out my sheet and then start a conversation based off of that. I think that that's incredible. So to be clear, we did not invent it. We learned it from Jiminyka Eborn, who um, her podcast is Trauma Queen um, and we love her, but we did like a webinar and we were like, oh, that's so cool. We want to teach that too. Those are important things that like we should be getting taught though, like in sex education. Like Absolutely. I, I shit on sex education literally like every six minutes, but like I'm going to do it again. I don't understand why we're not taught things like that and like how to communicate and how to address your body. Like it just, I don't know. Like I feel like if I was teaching, that would be like the first thing I would want to talk mm -hmm. about. Like, hey, this is supposed to be fun for everybody. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's not, if you're like, not having fun it's not because your body is wrong or broken yes literally yes that's something that also needs to be talked about too because i feel like so many people like take the blame personally mm -hmm. when they're not fully having an orgasm or when they're not having a good time like we just automatically think the worst of ourselves and put the blame on ourselves when like really like nothing's wrong with you i'm sure everything works down there Ugh. yep absolutely this is why we just need to have more 
conversations about sex and not just like what was taught mm-hmm. in the textbook because the shit that was taught in the textbook was not good nothing so and like everybody's body is the same and functions the same which is also just not true and that sets everybody up for for failure too if you're you know doing the same things every time you're with somebody like same things are not going to work for every person so like learn that learn what works for you and be able to communicate that yeah that's definitely really important as we're on the topic of talking about how everybody's body is different and how everyone is different, I want to turn to reclaiming pleasure and how to do that. I know this isn't like a one-size-fits-all and what might work for some people might not work for others, but what advice do you guys have for that? I think one of the first things that, like, I think the key ingredient in a lot of this is self-compassion and knowing that, like, like holding on to the idea that this is something that you inherently deserve. Like you deserve pleasure because you're like the human person and all humans are worthy of pleasure and like confidence and joy in their bodies. Um, and so having compassion for like past selves, having compassion for, you know, not knowing the things that we didn't know when we didn't know them, I think is really crucial. Um, and and letting it be okay to like try something new for the first time i think that when we're adults we're like maybe not so much like us people who are chatting right now but i think culturally we're like oh i've already learned everything that i need to learn like i i've already done all the things that i want to do for the first time i don't want to do that anymore And then we're really hard on ourselves when we don't, we're not like experts at something the first time we try it. And so this is a great example of like sucking at something is the first step at being good at something and allowing ourselves to be vulnerable and have compassion for that, I think is really crucial. Yeah, I think that also that that humility, I think was really important for me. I... Um, before I like started my sexual reclamation journey, um, my sister had recommended a sex podcast for me. And I was definitely like in this place of, oh, I don't need to listen to a podcast about sex. I know everything there is to me to know. I didn't know shit. I just <laughs> talk about sex. I couldn't even say the word sex. So I don't know why I thought that I didn't need to listen to a podcast about sex. And then like listen to that podcast. That is what gave me permission to to talk about sex and that's like how I just started this entire journey and also just like uprooted and like changed my entire career path um, into going to sex therapy because my sister like recommended this podcast and then I was like finally humble enough to say like oh actually no I, I need this I have so much to learn I have so much to grow I'm going totally ass backwards now but can you guys talk about your journey on how you chose this career path so I knew I have been teaching sex ed since for like I'm counting again um (laughs) I've been teaching sex ed since undergrad and like I knew that I wanted to work with survivors but I wasn't quite sure the capacity and like I went into grad school being like I will absolutely not be a therapist like I will not have a clinical role uh, when I grow up here I am um but I think for for me, the kind of tipping point was 
my first year of grad school, I took a human sexuality class where I started this research, where I started researching like different modalities for sexual healing. And I was like, holy shit, there's none. And my professor, who I loved so dearly, was just like, well, you should do stuff about it. And I was like, oh no, I'm, I'm not clinical. And she was like, mm, mm, are you sure? Are you sure? Um, and then I just like all of a sudden was like, all right, we're going to hit the refresh button on what the next like rest of my life is going to look like. And yeah, I was like, oh, I think this is what I want to do. <laughs> my story is, is a little different since like eighth grade up until like the last semester, I guess last two quarters of grad school. I wanted to be an in-home marriage and family therapist. That's what I went to grad school for. I went to University of Denver because they had a family systems like concentration. I couldn't tell you anything about family systems. <laughs> I will call Anya and be like, I need a family systems consult. And she's like, why are you calling me? <laughs> like it, it, the theory is just like, I don't understand them. They don't mesh with me, but I was like, okay, but this is what I have to study if I want to be an in-home family therapist. Um, even though like, I really didn't feel connected with it. And I started doing it through an internship and I was like, no, actually, I really don't enjoy this. And then at the same time, the exact same time, that's also when I started listening to that podcast and I became that friend that was talking about sex with everybody and helping everybody buy their first vibrators. Um, and then I was also um, in a also human sexuality class in grad school, and we were role playing being a sex therapist. And in every other uh, scenario where we've had to do role plays in a class, I am god awful. I have panic attacks. I forget all of my words. I am so bad. I feel so inept. I can't talk. And then when I was like role playing being a sex therapist, I was like, oh my god, this feels so natural. Oh, I know exactly what to say right now. Oh my god, I feel so comfortable and confident. Um, and I was like, oh, this this is what I should be doing. And it was like this huge like quarter life crisis for me because like I had always like loved the fact that I was on the same track since eighth grade and I was so confident about what I was going to be doing with my whole life. And then to like completely change directions like soon before grad school was ending <laughs> um, was just like the biggest deal. And that's when I decided to change there or change internships and join Hannah and then Pleasure Collective and then here we are. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Whole turn of events here. Not at all what I expected. So in the next quarter, after Anya kind of like started this quarter life crisis, we were in this relationship therapy class where we did a sex therapy role play. And Anya and I were like teamed up. And there was this woman in our role play who couldn't say the word nipple without giggling. It was like sixth grade. <laughs> And Anya and I are just like so confident, like hanging out, like doing our thing. And this this woman is just like giggling, like <laughs> vulva. I like think about that way more often than I should. <laughs> That's so funny. I love that. Like that was such a turn of events for you guys, kind of like a motivational story. And I love that. <laughs> I think there's like 
a huge, like, I didn't even know that that was something I could do, you know? Like, I didn't know that that was a potential career path. I didn't even know you could talk about sex. Same. (laughs) (laughs) Let alone there be jobs for it. I, like, knew that there's people who were, like, health teachers who, like, for three minutes out of the entire year talked a little bit about sex. But, like, (laughs) I didn't know that you could actually do things with it. My next question for you both is, how do you be a good support system to your partner who is a survivor of sexual trauma? First of all, believe them. It's as simple as that. (laughs) Um, Listen to them, validate them, um, like, don't put pressure on them to, like, share their story, but, like, also, like, let them know that when they feel comfortable and, and are ready to, like, you are there to hear them and are willing to hear them. Um, I, I would also add like, you know, educate, educate yourself on just like all of the implications of sexual violence and all, all of the effects, um, everything that, that comes with, with sexual violence and what that, that looks like for a survivor and their experiences. Um, and then also if, if you are a male, I, I would be aware of, or start becoming aware of, like, the different ways that you hold power and control in that relationship, and, and maybe a lot of that is, like, unconscious, um, but that can definitely have, like, a huge impact on the relationship and on, on the partner, on the survivor. Yeah, I think the other big thing is recognizing that, and, like, really working hard to also believe that it's not about you. Like as a partner, when like your, when your partner who's a trauma survivor is like, I can't do it and like freaks out. Like it's probably not about you and you get to decide in that moment if you are going to be compassionate and supportive or if you're gonna be a dick, yeah. if you're gonna get dumped in that exact moment. I think we way underestimate like really simple questions like what do you need? What feels supportive? And something that's really crucial with survivors in the immediate aftermath of sexual violence and like for the rest of their lives is that we want survivors to know that they have decision-making power in their relationships. So if you, if your partner is like being super flexible and accommodating and gentle with you and you feel like you have a say in what's going on in a sexual context, then like that feels way safer. That feels way more affirming because we want survivors to know that like their agency is theirs, like full stop. That's not going to be compromised. Thank you for explaining that. I think that it's really important that we have conversations like this and we talk about things like this, no matter how hard it may be, because it's really important we have this information. So again, thank you for explaining that. As we just talked about partner support, I also want to talk about how someone could support themselves while healing with sexual trauma. Is there any advice that you guys have for that or techniques or exercises? That's a great question. And <laughs> <laughs> um, and such just like a, a big, a big loaded question too. I mean, there's so many different ways of answering that. Um, and I think I might have like already said this, but like the first step is just like giving yourself permission to 
acknowledge yourself as a sexual person. Um, acknowledge that your sexuality is inherently yours and yours alone. Um, giving yourself permission to heal, permission to talk about sex. Um, I would say like those, what, counting again, is that four things? Those four things <laughs> are like uh, really foundational, um, really foundational steps. Yeah, I think the other thing that feels really important to me, both like personally and professionally, is finding your people with whom it is safe to talk about sex. Um, I think there's so much wrapped up in like, we're not supposed to talk about this. Like we've been saying this whole time, but having like a community of friends where we could just like freely talk about what is fun, what we like, what we don't like, like the fact that we have sex drives. Like I remember my head exploded the first time I heard one of my peers talk about masturbating. And I was like, oh my God, we can talk about that. I'm not the only one who does that. Um, and like they, I remember like, I'm not even friends with this person anymore, but they like so nonchalantly were like, yeah, if you don't want to have sex with you, who else is going to want to like, what the fuck? And I was like, oh, interesting. Like I could like maybe be more compassionate with myself about this. And like, maybe it's something that I don't have to like hide under like all of the socks in my sock drawer. Like literally same <laughs> <laughs> me right now. Um, yeah, I think like that's what, the communal part for me, I think mm -hmm. is one of the most important things. Like when we talk about sexual trauma, we're talking about relational trauma, whether like, so that trauma happened in relationship with someone else, whether it was like a romantic relationship or just like, you know, anything. Um, when you come into contact with someone, it's a relationship, it's relational trauma. And so therefore it heals in relationships. And those don't have to be romantic relationships. Those don't have to be partnerships. Like Anya and I talk all the time about how important we are to each other's own healing. Like that, like those friendships that are intimate and safe and you're allowed to just like talk about things that no one else lets you talk about. I think those for me are a really important part of healing. Yeah, I love that. And like your story of you guys, like, sharing that with each other like it really melts my heart I love this friendship so much we do too yeah <laughs> so important to find those people and sometimes it can be difficult it can be hard you might not find that person right away but once you do like that's just special like that is mm -hmm. so important to just your everyday life like I think that both the things that you guys shared are like really really important and oftentimes like these areas where it would be like really helpful and beneficial to talk about sex, like it's still not might feel safe. So let's practice it in um, like unrisky situations. Maybe that's, yeah, that, that is most likely with your best friends. And then you can like gradually increase to maybe a, a therapist, your partner, uh, probably not your parent, uh, but maybe <laughs> sibling, <laughs> a stranger. <laughs> Um, or you can just be those people who like you introduce yourself and then immediately start talking about sex, which is what Anya and I do now. Yes. <laughs> That's the way to do it. Hi, my name's Rissa. I love talking about sex and masturbating. 
you gonna be my friend now or what right like what a great way to just like challenge this idea that like sex is something that we only talk about with the people who we're having sex with than by like making it dinner table conversation not family dinner but like like why is it something that we're not allowed to talk about and the reason that we're not allowed to especially as women and people who are socialized as women is like the, the patriarchy doesn't want us to have good sex like that's not something that is like destined for women femmes marginalized genders in like under like the rule of the patriarchy so i think another important piece of like starting your healing journey is like deciding that like patriarchal bullshit doesn't serve you anymore and like being willing to challenge that and let that go and let like chat about this all the time with clients but like let your existence be an active rebellion hell yeah fun you have way more fun fuck yes i'm here for it i don't understand like why we couldn't be talking about it like and like when I first brought it up I was like whispering about it but like we all do it we all know that we do it like why mm-hmm. can't we talk about it more and then like talking with my friends I learned so much and it's also like one of the most natural things we do we fucking match in the womb yeah do you remember how awkward it was in like middle school or whenever it was that you got your first period to like talk about it with your friends and it was like this shameful thing that it was like you had to like sneakily like put something up your sleeve to walk to the bathroom like that's kind of how like that was our first understanding of like reproductive health and it was something that we had to keep so hidden so of course like when we talk about anything that has to do with like our reproductive health even if it's just the pleasurable parts of it it's like just as scary and awkward and uncomfortable and it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah, you're so right. And I don't want it to be that way anymore. I want it to be like an open thing that we can all talk about and we can all enjoy together. Like, it's so nice to be able to talk about it and learn things from other people and share your experiences with the people that you're comfortable with. I feel like you really like form a connection with someone when you start talking about your sex life with them. Like me and my friends who talk about sex, like I feel like we are so much closer now than before. Cause like, I'm telling you all the intimate details about my life and my body. (laughs) Once you start talking about sex, like all bets are off. Those are the friends you fart in front of. Those are the (laughs) friends you pee with the door open, like fuck it. (laughs) Because you're really being like your authentic and genuine self. Yeah. And that's so important when it comes to all sorts of relationships. Like, it's so important. And like you said, those are the people that you are ultimately comfortable with for everything now. (laughs) And like, who doesn't want that? Like, I want that with everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Do you guys also, I know that we talked a little little bit about some resources before talking about podcasts and books, but do you guys have any any favorite resources that you would like to share? Any communities? How do we? Always. Yes. Um, well, our personal Bible is Come As You Are by Emily Nagoski. Um, I think I own like six copies of it <laughs> because I loan them out to clients. But I would say, yeah, Come As You Are is a really crucial resource. And also I think it's really interesting if you're a person who like 
needs evidence or needs more like research or information or like the hard science of things, I think Come As You Are is a great resource because sometimes talking about sex can be like really abstract or kind of like mushy uh, as a concept. And I, I really like the way that Emily Nagoski like scaffolds it so that it's not quite as philosophical. <laughs> it's very digestible. It's yeah. very in like layman's terms. Um, and it's, it's just wonder. It is very research-based, but it's so like, it's such an easy read too. And it's just, it makes so much sense. Like it's one of those, one of those books that like, as you're reading it, you're like, oh my God, like I never would have thought about this this way. And now I'll never think about it any other way. And like my brain is forever changed. And she like validates like any concern that you might ever have around your own sexual performance or sexuality. Like every like chapter is uh, concerns about this. Yep, you're normal. Yeah, so the podcast is sponsored by Emily Nagoski. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening, Emily. I literally have two of her books within arm's reach. Uh, the second one is her most recent one. It's about burnout, the secret to unlocking the stress cycle. Ooh. I added come as you are to my to be read list because of your guys' oh, page. Like oh, <laughs> I was going through and I saw that right away. That was like one of the first posts. It's like, I need to read this book. She also has a workbook that is like a like supplement to it, which I really like. And it like, it's really helpful. Like that's a great resource to use like with partners as you're walking through. Like her big concept is that everybody internally has like a sexual accelerator and a sexual brake pedal. And so walking through that workbook with a partner is a great way to help identify like, what are the things that like hit the gas for you? What are the things that hit the brakes? And like, give yourself permission to explore those things in a way that's kind of like guided and safe. Awesome. And what was the um, podcast that you mentioned before? I want to make sure that I can like add that to the Oh, list. Trauma Queen is one. Mm-hmm. But what was the one you were listening to, Anya? Sex with Emily. Oh, yeah. Oh, I hear a lot about, wait, is that the same person who wrote the book? No. No, that is, this is Emily Nagoski. Sex with Emily is Emily Morse. Okay, I see a lot of people posting about that account and like having her on podcasts as well. In terms of podcasts, one of my favorites is How Come. Um, and like the premise is, this woman like has never had an orgasm and so she interviews all of these people about their first orgasms and then she like gets homework from them and she goes and she experiments um and it's like it's so wonderful it's hilarious and just really like affirming and normalizing that like sometimes our bodies are puzzles that we don't know how to solve and we have to just like try a bunch of shit um so I love that and Honestly, I think that one of the most important books that I've read in, like, in figuring out how to, like, I guess, like, decolonize and, like, break down a lot of, like, bullshit that we've internalized is The Body is Not an Apology uh, by Sonia Renee Taylor, which is not, like, sex specific, but it is, like, body liberation specific. And I think that those two kind of go hand in hand. If you want, um, like, a book recommendation that is like specific for sexual trauma healing. I really love like Healing Sex by Stacey Haynes. Um, and then like different accounts 
Um, I know that you just like interviewed Jenna from Honest Sexuality. We like love her and just like gush about her all the time. We're obsessed with her. Like we've never met and like we're friends. We love her. Same. Yeah, we love her. Melissa Fabello was, we like consulted with her when we were first getting Pleasure Collective off the ground. And I love like her whole thing is like, feminist wellness education so she does a lot of um like right now her big thing is talking about like different attachment styles and how those show up in relationships and she's also running a like bisexual support group virtually over the summer um like building virtual queer community which is wonderful but um she also wrote like literally wrote the book about the intersection of eating disorders and sexuality and that is the work that I do in my day job. And so I love, I, I love her. I feel like there are so many people who we talk about how like cool they are and how much we learn from them all the time. But right now at five o'clock on a Friday, my brain is not <laughs> doing it. <laughs> if you want like a, um, an account, like a sex ed account that's very inclusive, very shame-free, very like anti-purity culture, Erica Smith sex ed is yeah. amazing. Love I love her. Erica Smith. Um, oh, I just had another one, but that <laughs> scream. Oh, I'd be on Whitney. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have the biggest crush on them. Yes. I can't decide if I like want to make out with them or just like learn from them all the time, but they're so cool. Um, and they, so they had a podcast called The Sexually Liberated Woman. And then right now I know it's like being revamped and on hiatus, but they do a lot of really cool, um, like sensual meditation, a lot of somatic stuff that I think is really powerful. And they make awesome playlists for like sensual meditation. And I like to listen to them when I'm like taking a bath. Thank you guys for so many recommendations. Like I didn't expect you guys to have so many like on the spot. So thank you. <laughs> I'm going to add all of these to the description box because I think that it's more, it's really important to educate ourselves on these things and read these books, listen to these podcasts and all of these sorts of things. Lastly, this is my last thing. This is kind of also a loaded question, which all of these have been. So like, do you really expect anything less at this point? No. Okay, so what is the most important thing you have learned when it comes to sex and pleasure? Okay, um, I think the most important thing that I have learned is is being able to view my sexuality as this like energy and like life force inside of me. Um, like I never really felt connected with my body until I gained that perspective. Um, and I actually... I gained that perspective from the book called Pussy, A Reclamation. Um, and now that I like have this mindset, like I have the, the ability to make every decision with pleasure in mind and feel fully embodied and confident in everything that I do because I know that I am, am doing things for for myself and that it's it's coming out of place of of honesty and genuineness and and joy and pleasure and and what more could you need what more do you want yeah mine might be really similar but i think 
the idea that pleasure is our birthright is something that just like really changed the way that I move through the world and the way that I prioritize things. Um, I read, like when I read Pleasure Activism, so we're just like dropping book titles now, I guess. Um, when I read Pleasure Activism and I read, this is like so early in the book and I was like, oh my God, this is the thing that changed my life and I'm only like 10 pages in. Um, Adrienne Marie Brown talks about the like pleasure activism is pursuing this like orgasmic yes in everyday life. And this idea that we like pleasure is not a luxury. It's something that we are like, we deserve and that we're worthy of just by virtue of being human and that we can center pleasure in our lives in a way that makes it so that like pleasure can be literally anything like, and sex can be literally anything like pleasure is cooking. Pleasure is having a dance party in your living room. Pleasure is coming home at the end of a hard day and like being able to like pet the dog and like cry a little bit. Um, and knowing that like I can give myself permission to prioritize pleasure in the mundane, in the everyday, I think has been really important and validating and just like magical. <laughs> Both of those answers were just so amazing. Like, I love asking my past three people that I've had on the podcast what they think and hearing everybody's different answer. It's like, it's so amazing to hear. And it's like so heartwarming and it just feels good. And it like really proves that we're all different. Our bodies all work in different ways. You both were spectacular. I loved this conversation and I love your account. Like I cannot say it enough how much I love your account and like how many people I'm telling about your account. Again, you guys are sharing such good information. Like it is just such a good account. So if you're not following this account already, like if you haven't got the hint, like follow this freaking account, I'm going to attach the link in the description. Please make sure that you follow this account. It is so incredibly important and you guys are doing an amazing job with what you're doing and I absolutely love it. So again, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and having this conversation with me today. Thanks for having us. Absolutely loved being asked to be here and being here with you and and getting to know you and thank you for like doing this work and having this podcast and interviewing such awesome people. So thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Girls Room. Don't forget to subscribe, leave me a review, and follow me on Instagram at thegirlsroom underscore pod. See you next week for an all new episode.